0: This episode of Bush Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. Listen, this podcast is supported by you. For real. We don't have ads right now. We have some coming. We're working on it. But right now, we don't. We just do Patreon. That's it. So, we... It's the only way we keep doing the podcast. So, go to patreon.com slash Breakaway. It's how we support the whole thing. We have our Discord. We get BSBOT episodes that come out either Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Depending on what's going on with the Ranger games. Immediate game reaction. Insider content. i I, I literally... Give secrets, super secret information in our chats. It's freaking awesome. Uh, that was the worst pitch I've ever given for our Discord. Anywho, uh, great show today. Tim Peel, an NHL referee for many, many years, had one controversy once. You might have heard about it. And then we have our friend Ken from Sin Vegas on to talk about Jack Eichel and his feelings on that. I think that will surprise you also. Two amazing interviews. I don't usually, um, I don't usually say this at the beginning. Like they were very, very fun. Tim, the Tim Peel one especially is awesome great insight into the league and what it's like being a ref and definitely controversial responses uh, when it comes to goalie interference which you'll agree with i'm sure anywho let's get to mark messier and i hope you all enjoy the show and thank you all for the support you've given us i don't know forever okay here we go
1: hi everybody it's mark messier and you're listening to blue shirts breakaway the number one rangers podcast
0: Welcome to the Patreon.com slash Witches Breakaway. I'm here with my co host, Gregory Kaplan. I'm Ryan me Greg, say hello.
1: Lesson learned tonight never, ever, ever make fun of goalie interference penalties when an official is on the podcast with you.
0: learn that. um And then shortly after we asked that question and tried to Get a serious answer, at, or or even a lighthearted one. Um, it happened in the game where Gallant did not record, uh, did not challenge it. I was a little bit surprised, but I think if the game was closer, Gallant would have challenged it. Uh, but we have a lot to go over from this last weekend of games, uh, Gregory. I don't know if you heard, but the Rangers were part of some highlights. Some real good what? times. Yes. Are you sure? Yeah. Some uh, wonderful scorpion saves. A uh, a 4, a 5v1 e with Connor McDavid, where four Rangers stick-tap uh, him as he gets beyond uh, Georgiev. And then tonight, the Rangers beat an undefeated team. Uh, can I... What a scenario to be talking about. To have a team... This is, this is the last three games for the New York Rangers. Let's just recap it for everybody very quickly. Up 4-1 against the Oilers. Looking like an absolutely dominant team. They come back, and of course, they lose in overtime to Leanne Dreisidel and Connor McDavid. Cool. Next, they go to Calgary. Calgary shit houses them. It's like not even a game. Not competitive. After the Adam Fox call is called off, nothing happens. Igor looks tired. The road trip is forever. Everything sucks, even though some of the goals for Igor were pretty much unstoppable. Enough said. Cool. Then they go against a undefeated 10 0 one Florida team coming into Madison Square Garden. Uh, the team is a little banged up. They are starting Spencer Knight, but yet they are still undefeated. They look tremendously dominant. Well, I wouldn't say tremendously dominant. They let up 97 shot attempts. The, but they, they were in control of the game at at a 4-0. They get a challenge. And then all of a sudden, in 26 seconds, and under a minute, uh, Florida comes back and makes it 4-3. And, of course, they don't make it easy. The Rangers look pissed walking off the ice. This team is a goddamn roller coaster, and I don't know how to handle it. Um,
1: I think tonight best summarizes the new york rangers essentially uh, at least in on this road trip right we we were on bsbot we said a good team finds a way to get three points against these challenging opponents um the new york rangers got three points but they managed they managed to get three points in a way that makes you somehow feel worse uh I, they should have beaten the Oilers flat out. Flat that out. A point, that's a point the Rangers left on the table. I, I I, I, I don't do moral victories in games like that. The New York Rangers should have won that hockey game. They did plenty to win that hockey game. It's a game, moral even... victory if
0: they're up 3-2 and Connor McDavid scores that goal. That's absolutely going to be showed on his highlight reel, maybe like the first three clips for the rest of his career. Uh, but that's that's fine. When you're up 4-1 in that situation, you can't let those kind of games go. And yeah, I,
1: apparently the New York Rangers just don't know how to play with a four to one lead is what it really uh boils down to on this one. But anyway, most dangerous you, leave point, you leave a point you leave you leave a point on the table there, and that doesn't sit well with you. Then you completely shit the bed against the flames. That doesn't sit well with you. And then when you start to feel better about the Rangers performance, and again it. This Rangers' performance is indicative of the Rangers' performances we've seen throughout the year, wherein, once again, the New York Rangers, this time they come through when it mattered and they put the puck in the net, but for the majority of the game, they are still getting lambasted five-on-five. Five. And it's an alarming trend. I I can't say it's the players don't know how to play in the coach's system or anything like that because it's just basic hockey. I I don't think Galan is doing anything – completely revolutionary that this team shouldn't be able to understand by game 12 and it and yet we sit here and the rangers are what three uh, <laughs> seven
0: seven three it. and three yeah right I seven believe, i believe that to be true but i'm triple checking currently
1: yeah so it's i don't know it's tough i i don't think it everything should be doom and gloom like seven, it's ten, been on three. rangers twitter the last couple of days but at the same time a lot of
0: discourse about prospects and development as you know oh jesus christ yeah it's a fucking kill me at this point
1: but at this, i I, i'm not a guy that says it should be doom and gloom right now i'm also not a guy that says you should be completely satisfied with how the new york rangers played i think there's there's somewhere in the middle where we all should be right now where on one hand you can be happy that the new york rangers once again have taken points in 10 of their first 13 games this year. Which, that by the is way, nothing to scoff at. is
0: ridiculous. Yeah, when you, when you look at this team and how they're performing at 5-on-5 five five and just getting absolutely outshot by They're getting, getting shithoused. They're, yeah, they're, shit they're getting three times outshot. And yet they're still in these games. It's unbelievable. And that a lot of the reason for that is Igor Shosturkin and Adam Fox. I mean, let's just call it straight. Without those two... Uh, I don't. I don't really know where they would be. I, I don't want to think about where they would be. I guess we saw a little bit of it when Georgiev was in net against the Oilers. Not, not so good. But it's a situation right now for the Rangers that if you're if Igor not playing in, I don't know, another dimension, what, he's looking like Henrik Lundqvist light over and over and over again, and. It just can't be sustainable. We can't, The Rangers can't do this again for another 10 years. And I'm super happy with the win tonight. How could you not be? I mean, the Adam Fox goal was amazing. The Keandre Miller goal, the coast-to-coast, the Neil Pionk-esque coast-to-coast uh, where he leaves his feet. I mean, even even the way Kako played at some points, where I know he still has zero points uh, this season, but yeah, he shouldn't though. Fucking he... Ryan Strom, <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> I, I do love Ryan Strom. He just makes I don't it. that just at the same time. It,
1: it's fun. It's funny that we're gonna talk to Tim Peel, um, and we also talked to Sinbin today. Um, but we like I specifically made sure to mention with Tim Peel the stuff about goalie interference reviews because it all seems made up. None of it makes a whole lot of sense. It seems like one day it's one thing, the other day it's another thing. And lo and behold, what do we get in the Ranger game? It's a goalie interference where, like, yeah, Strom's in the crease, but also Ekblad is kind of keeping Strom in the crease. So Strom, in a way, is getting interfered with because he can't move, which is then interfering with the goalie. And all it does is take a point off Capocacco's ledger. And it was a great play by Kako, first of all, to get an open space for the shot chance. Understand that he was too late in the window to get the shot off. So what does he do? He finds a wide fi- – he takes the goalie out of the net and finds a wide-opener, Artemi Panarin, and Panarin doesn't miss from there. So I it's – and you know what's going to happen. In three games, we're going to be like, oh, Kako doesn't
0: have any points. I know. Trust me. He's I- a boss, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, but – Fuck you. I, I, <laughs> well, I don't know about it, that, but it, uh, listen, it, it's been struggle. It's been struggle town for Lafreniere and Kako. I've been talking about this pretty much the last three days when it comes to prospect development. I don't think they've ever really been the guys here in New York. I'm not sure that matters sometimes. Uh, they do have to have some accountability, but they haven't had the chances that some of these other prospects have had. I've got called out to Say some people, ha- Kako has had the chance. I don't really think so. Um, he's He's kind of, last year he moved up and down with uh, david quinn this year i know he's been on the second line but he was out for i we don't know what the injury was but i have to assume it was a separated shoulder or some sort of shoulder injury seems to be back into playing shape at this time i think he still look look in the preseason he looked like one of the better better rangers on the squad no doubt about it at this at at that point in time now he's just going to get back into form See if he can get some chemistry going with stroman and, and panarin and get and seemingly that happened tonight so i'm just gonna wait for that development to happen and not freak out Till I don't know, the end of this year. If we still think that Capo and, and Lafreniere look terrible by April, we can have that conversation. I promise. Well,
1: I, I think, I honestly think that the, the discourse that shocked me the most because I, I've now heard about it. I did a QA with some of our Discord friends on Saturday morning. And before Saturday morning, I had not known that people had thought Keandre Miller is playing like crap and might need a stint in Hartford. I, I was unaware that this was an opinion. I don't know if it's because I'm on Twitter less now that I'm not sitting at a desk all day at work or or what. I legitimately did not know that there were Ranger fans out there unhappy, upset, displeased with the way Keandre Miller has been playing to a point where they're asking for him to get demoted. That blew my mind. And I think tonight, it, I hate using goals as the like, aha, see what I, I told you so kind of moment, but. I've honestly thought Keandre Miller has been fine at worst this year. And nights like tonight are exactly why you do not demote Keandre Miller. He's very clearly one of your four best defensemen. And whether you think Braden Schneider or uh Zach Jones can easily slide into this lineup or heaven forbid the the kayak himself, who the Rangers clearly forgot about and now had to send on a conditioning assignment because they can't fucking trade him because it's November 8th and he's still fucking here. It's just, I didn't, I was stunned that people were out on Keandre Miller to begin this season. I, I don't know. This is one of those instances where I literally have to ask people, are we watching the same game? Cause we cannot be. If that's the opinion you had of Keandre Miller through the first Thirteen games. I this think year. there's
0: sometimes a situation that occurs. I've said situation a lot this podcast. My apologies. There's there's a something that happens on the internet where someone will post some stats about Keandre Miller and some effective charts that say he hasn't had a good game here or there. I think he was on the ice for five straight goals, um, and I think that was a big part of it. But the Rangers are getting crushed at five v five. You're going to get beat at some point w- with that. Keandre Miller is a great player. He's still 21. I think people. I'm gonna do it. People forget how young Keandre Miller is. He has some offensive talent upside to his game. He's not gonna be a play driver, but he, it's there. He was a forward until like two years ago. Everybody, he's a talented player, and you have to give those players time to time to cook. And guess what, Keandre Miller got time to cook. He had, the, I think, he led five five ice time and among defensemen, last, uh, other than Adam Fox. I'm so sorry, uh, Keandre Miller last year. And Keandre's been he's been solid this year. I, I have no problem with him. The 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 two defensemen that have been um liabilities on this team have been the Nemethith. Nemethiths? I can't say it. Nemeth and uh and Lundquist. And Lundqvist looked fine tonight in sheltered time. But the the top four on the defense has never been my issue this season. Like whatsoever. I, I I'm sure that uh, the stats that hey hey Keandre's been on for five goals in a row. He's Blah, blah, blah. Those tweets, they circulate and people form their own opinion from there. But Coucher's been fine. Uh, he's he's holding his own in a lot of different ways. And I know our friend Rob Lurker, uh, Lurker, I'm oh, sorry. I don't know why I called him Lurker. Luker, uh has been trumpeting the Fox-Miller pairing forever. Uh, maybe one day we'll see that. Who knows?
1: Yeah, I just, I I I don't know what else anyone's looking for from a young defenseman like Keandre Miller. At some point, you're just asking for too much. And it, that's a you thing, not a Keandre Miller thing. And it – I – i again, I put my hand up. I did not realize it was a topic worth discussing on Ranger Twitter. I, I, I'm not saying, like, I, I – that I, – I don't know. it. i That's never happened to me before where something is happening in – I feel pretty plugged in. I have to be. We talk about this team so damn much that it's hard to miss anything. And for me to just straight up miss, not just miss that one, but not even be able to understand the conversation that is having in regards to that. It shocked me. Like I get the, the Kako stuff and the Lafreniere stuff to me, it's tired. It's worn out. It's, it's overdone. I don't know how many times we can tell you that these guys are children And I'm not going to worry about it until I have to worry about it. And that time is not now. It's not next year. might not even be the year after that. They're being asked to do something they've never been asked to do on a team where they don't have to be the focal point of the offense. I think it was um, that guy left wing, underrated follow. One of the 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 best. He has the chart that shows that Alexei Lafreniere is not just below pace of power play time to former top other former top three literally is the lowest, but he is the literal outlier. He is the one that doesn't make any sense. I'm not saying that Lafreniere would have a hundred points if he was on the power play, but Alexei Lafreniere as a number one overall pick is being asked to do something that no other number one overall pick has been asked to do. At least that's a forward. So it's, you have to understand that like the data point we're dealing with here with these young Rangers, I it, it, it's non-comparable, and then to further point that we talked about last week, it doesn't matter what the Lucas Raymonds of the world are doing, or even the Tim Stutzlas or whatever the. This is. Uh, I'm so it, glad
0: you brought this up. I'm yeah, so it, happy.
1: it doesn't. It doesn't matter what the other guys are doing because there is no scenario where the New York Rangers were taking anyone but Kapokako and then Alexei Lafreniere. This is, and I, if they took, uh, if they took anybody else. If they took anybody else, we would have been on this podcast calling the New York Rangers the stupidest organization that ever existed, and it doesn't matter if they were busts or the greatest things in sliced bread. The New York Rangers would have gotten the draft wrong. We're talking about two slam-dunk picks where there was no other option but those two players, so whatever happens kind of happens. The New York Rangers made the right call. This isn't – it's not like off, right, where the Rangers – This is – yes, they, they put their feather in a cap – with Kravtsov, they liked their guy, but they could have easily gone for about six different players, whether it's Dobson or Wallstrom, Wallstrom or Bouchard, whoever you wanted to put in that spot. There are arguments that could be made that the New York Rangers made the wrong judgment on Vitaly Kraftsoff or Leas Anderson or, hell, Keandre Miller, Niels Lundqvist, Philip Hedl, guys who go at different points of the draft. But when you had the number two pick in a two-player draft and the number one pick in a one-player draft, you take those fucking guys. Like, it, it this isn't – it's not rocket science. You, you can't use revisionist history on this and Now, say, well, the Rangers – Your development. You love Byfield, right? You are one of the biggest – I am.
0: Byfield guys I know. I am. It would have
1: been a mistake if the New York Rangers took Quentin Byfield.
0: I, yeah, they would have gotten lambasted for it, just like you said. Yeah. Absolutely. We would have been the ones doing it. I I, I... – me less than you but yes absolutely I, I probably would have called him out you had to you had to it would have been it would have been one of the biggest stories in hockey history if they didn't take Lafreniere he scored 200 points in two seasons by the way it's more than 200 points it, he's he has offensive talent the skating hasn't tra- translated just yet and it's it's there he just hasn't found it yet he hasn't got power power play opportunity I, I'm okay without having this conversation right now the time will come I promise they're still young. They're going to develop. I have, let's talk about it. March, April, if, if things are really, really still looking grim for both these players. Uh, but I would like to come back and revisit that at that point in time. But I'm so glad you said the Wallstrom thing because the Wallstrom, like the way they handled Anderson and the way they've handled Kraftstoff, like, yes, you can, you can flame the Rangers for those picks. You could have at the time. And we did, by the way, that did happen, but not picking Kapokaka or Lafreniere. Like, Yes, Lucas Raymond's a great player. Yeah, Zagris is a great player. I would love to have both those players. There's no scenario in which the Rangers would take them exactly like you said there, Greg. Zero.
1: It, it, and it's it's like a failure to understand. And it's, it's the same people that are calling these guys busts that would have been the first people to say the New York Rangers are the dumbest organization in the world if they hadn't made the picks that they made. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's just... it. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I get it. But at the same time, just take a step back and realize that literally... You're the problem, not not the prospects. I, I I don't mean to call people out that harshly, but I'm gonna do it because that's kind of my brand. Well, it, it's yeah, go on. But I just it, it's it's just it's ridiculous. It, it's it doesn't make any sense. It's kind of uh, man. I'm trying to think of another sport example. If only it, the it, New York Mets made a slam dunk I, draft. Pick I have recently. I have an
0: example I've thought about with this. So I wanted to throw this your way. There is a basketball yeah. player named Steph Curry. Maybe you've heard of him. Okay, uh, if I've he, heard of him. If he was drafted by the New York Knicks, is he ever Steph Curry?
1: I don't know. Probably. I mean, we'll never know. But in, it, in, in the wrong hand, his early career ankle injuries are are not handled properly. Totally
0: understand. But I I think if Lafreniere or Kako were the number one and number two picks from for Detroit, and they were the guys there, they would be putting up points. They'd both be on the power play. They'd be able to. Uh, be able to like run everything through them. Everything would run through Lafreniere and Kako and whatever sender they had. That would be their whole squad and Dylan Larkin at that point, they would have these, these point totals. They would, you'd be like, wow, these kids are really developing. The future will be here in a few years. Things are cooking. They're going to go to the next level. But since they were the fifth and sixth or even seventh and eighth options, sometimes the New York Rangers and the development under Quinn, who was supposed to be a developmental coach. And he, yes, he did do some great development for his players like Adam Fox, and and Ryan Lindgren, but did not happen for those two players. It's it's on the Rangers a little bit, developmental wise, to not get them to where they need to be, and that's a long term issue. But they're not busts. They're not lacking talent. The talent is there. They have it all. It's unlocking the talent to and finding how to use it. And I hope. And we, I hope we. Everybody we talk to, Greg, everyone we talk to, says Gerard Gallant's one of the best coaches and one of the best guys there is. And I have to hope and I have to pray that Gerard Gallant can do this because you're locked into this Ranger team for quite a few years now. And Lafreniere and Kako are going to be a solid part of your life for at least the next seven or eight or nine. Who knows?
1: But, and it's not just that. And it's the point that I go to that we talked about last Monday. It's what what are we really upset about here? I don't think it's the kids I think the kids are emblematic of everything that's happening to this team in general like was Alexi Lafreniere playing on the fourth line or Capo Kako having a sluggish game against Edmonton the reason why the Rangers lost no were those two players specifically the reason the Rangers lost to the Flames no were those two players Kako did a lot of good tonight was he part of the solution tonight yes so it's what are you really angry about when you're saying that these kids are busts, in my opinion? That's, that's what I'm really trying to ask these people that are so gung-ho about it. Like, Kapokako and Alexei Lafreniere, at this point in their careers, when they're playing on a team that includes Mika Zibanejad or Temi Panera and Chris Kreider, they shouldn't be the guys you are leaning on to lead this team offensively. Should they be doing more? Absolutely. I'm not going to sit here and say that what they're doing is acceptable if you want to be a not just playoff hockey team, but a team with legitimate Stanley cup ambitions. You need more from those guys a thousand percent, but they shouldn't be your bell cows. Your, Your veteran stars need to be your veteran stars. And whether it's because, you don't want to be angry at Artemi Panarin because he's literally the greatest things in sliced bread. I get it. Another two. Whether 9. you don't want to be angry, I mean, you can't be angry at Chris Kreider. The guy's doing literally everything. Okay, he okay. Can. we've
0: come, we've had this podcast for a long time. One of our first episodes ever is "Should We Trade Chris Kreider?" I think it was episode four. And yeah. we're he's still here. This is the hottest he's ever been. Legitimately, he's. I
1: I am hard pressed to think of another instance where he's been more in tune to his game than he is. Right more cons-
0: now. He's never been more consistent than this. And if he can keep this up, he'll finally be that scorer that we always wanted him to be. Those 30 but goals. the New York
1: Rangers shouldn't expect him to. I think that's another important point. I agree. This, is, th- this gets to our next point where we- we've talked about this many times before, whether on air or off air, where we should feel fortunate that the New York Rangers at this point in the season through 13 games are 7-3-3. Three, and three. That is good. We are not here to say that the New York Rangers are bad. What we're here to say is the New York Rangers are super fortunate and you shouldn't be a team that rests on your laurels when things are going your way. There's something when they to probably be... shouldn't
0: be going your way. Agree. But I, I don't want to call this Ger- the Gerard Gallant effect, but there might be something too. like, yes, the a- <laughs> Greg, I think you and I can agree on this. The analytics do not like the New York Rangers. The stats don't know, especially at five on five offensively. They actually hate them. Uh, and on top of that, I would say their they're, they're shot scoring, everything everything about the New York Rangers game has looked not great. It's not been aesthetically pleasing a lot of the time. It's been hard-pressed, but they've been winning games. I, I think that's the Gerard Gallant effect. It's like you still get points. You're still in these games. And, yes, maybe it all catches up to you, but maybe it sticks around like this. It shouldn't. This shouldn't be your goal. But it seems like this team can hang and will grind out games and maybe can stay in this playoff race, uh, which is going to be tough because the Metro is a goddamn hellscape. There's nothing else I could say about it. Every team seems to be good. Even CBJ is putting some, some nice wins together. Everybody seems to be pretty competitive. So this is a squad that's going to hopefully grind it out. It hasn't really even been gritty. I was expecting Reeves or somebody to go at certain players when Igor was getting absolutely tackled in the crease. I thought there would be some more goalie defense, some more grit, some more hit, and there just wasn't, but they are a team that just seemingly lingers around and sticks around. It's unbelievable. Uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to give some credit to Gerard Gallant because I don't know what else to do because there's no other reason the Rangers should be in a lot of these games. And seemingly he's the not, he's the factor that's changed from last year. So I have to give him no, some credit. the
1: fact, the fact that that changed from last year is Igor to is his top three goal in the NHL. That's a big one. That's the that's a fa- no, that, that's not the big one. That's the one. You take Igor Shostakovich out of this season, what do you have? You have two losses at the hands of Alexander Georgiev. And I think that's how the New York Rangers would be playing if they didn't have godlike goaltending at all times. Uh, it's No, I I don't know if it's – I understand a lot of things I do on this podcast because, first and foremost, unfortunately, the illness that plagues me throughout the entirety of my entire life is the New York Mets. And I, I am familiar with the team that is just, we're going to hope the one thing that's going good for us right now continues to go good. And I'm a veteran of it, spoiler alert, not continuing in that fashion. So I, maybe more so than other people, or at least more so than other Ranger fans, understand that when something is being done that is both unsustainable and yet fortunate for the Rangers – Something should be done to make it more sustainable. And in my mind, that means the Rangers need to make a move. They need to jumble up some of their forward lines. They need to do something as opposed to just, well, Artemi and Mika, and they're going to get hot, Kreider's going to stay hot, and the kids are going to stop playing like kids. I think you're we, – when we were doing our preview podcasts, how many times did we say that a lot of things went wrong for the Rangers next year, last year? And while we don't expect all those things to go wrong, it's unrealistic to expect everything to go right. And that's what we continue to come on this podcast and just say stuff like good teams aren't asking this many questions. The Tampa Bay Lightning would never find themselves in this situation, half mostly because they're cheating. But even in scenarios where they're not cheating, good teams aren't hoping for things to continue to go well or for – things to improve to sustain the things that are currently going well. It's very possible and probable that Mika Zabenajed and Artemi Panarin are going to light the world on fire and both have 70 plus point seasons this year. But it's also very possible that Igor Shostakhin has a bad couple weeks. And if Igor Shostakhin has a bad couple weeks, you're going to then expect Alexander Georgiev to have a good couple of weeks. You need to that. make moves, you need to make moves that makes your team's success sustainable, and that's what I need to see from the New York Rangers. I need to see Gallant mix up some of these lines. Uh, this is again is only the third game this season where the New York Rangers have scored four or more goals. That is concerning at this point in the season. Again, when a when your team is built to be this top heavy and the top is not carrying the weight, you gotta you gotta do something to say it is fortunate that we have started off this well this division is even harder than we thought it was going to be and in order for us to maintain our position or even gain ground on the teams ahead of us we have to supplement what's currently here and that's what I need to see from the New York Rangers probably before the new year I don't think this team could just wait around until January 1st and decide what it wants they to need do. some
0: offensive help the Rangers are 31st with 25.7 shots a game Tied for last with a minus 79 differential. It would be the last time they averaged a, uh, a team averaged under 28.5 shots a game was 1999. So, I mean, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. You could be happy about beating the best team in hockey. Please, sit, sit here tonight and or tomorrow morning, wherever you are, and enjoy that the Rangers are in the position they're in because it's amazing that they have gotten to the place they're at. What Greg and I are telling you is that this bridge might collapse. It might, it might, it might fall down.
1: I don't think I don't think might is the word. If things continue to go this way for the New York Rangers, there may be a 500 hockey club. And again, it, there's recent example of this. Look at the Mets; they spent 109 days in first place this year on the backs of really great pitching, and hoping that their offense came around. The offense never came around, and the pitching stopped being great. And the Atlanta Braves are World Series champions. So it's it, it's not like. It's not like we are citing an example from recent history that is far fetched or hasn't happened or doesn't exist just because it happened in a different sport. doesn't belittle the fact that it happened. You need, I am asking the New York Rangers to do the bare minimum, which is be smarter than the Mets. That is not a high bar. I am asking you to clear. I think it's the lowest bar I could possibly ask you to clear. It's like me asking the NHL to just give a shit. If that's all I'm asking you to do, you got to come up with a good reason to not do it. And right now, again, I the people that want to be happy, the Rangers have taken points from 10 of 13 games. I'm all for it. The people that want to be super negative that this Ranger team looks flat out bad at certain times, I can't defend it. I'm saying there's a middle ground here. There's nuance that we can be having in this conversation. We can agree that this cannot continue, all while also being appreciative specifically of Chris Kreider, Adam Fox, and Igor Shostakhin, that they've gotten off to this good of a start.
0: I think you said it best there. Want to do some five stars and we'll get to our interviews? Let's do some five stars and then we'll get to our interviews. 54, this is from Jack Legend, who, by the way, is giving away tickets to the Henrik Lundqvist game. If you haven't. He's a madman. He's a madman. I, I retweeted him. You can go follow him on my Twitter. He'll be giving away or trying to give away with a contest until it happens. So go follow him. All right. Now that we did that. 54.16% uh, of our cap space is taken up by Trouba, Mika, Fox, Panarin, and Kreider. With the exception of Fox and Panarin, there's a crowd that thinks the Rangers did a terrible job with cap management. Kreider was signed before Lafreniere was, though. Trouba was signed before Fox was known as, limit, as Limitless. And if Mika was given the contract, then who was? Is it fair to say that, the Ranger, that this isn't all the Rangers' fault? No. I, and We've talked about the Chris every, Kreider stuff a lot.
1: Yeah, every everything comes back to Kreider. I don't think it has... I. I've continued to say this time and time again. I don't know if people just think I'm like a Troop underrated. A Trubo. Right now.
0: I don't know what's going on. Not
1: not just right now. I, I've been underrated. He had a rough first season, but the last two years, again, he's another guy that's been no worse than fine. I understand you're paying him eight million dollars. You want him to be a little bit better than fine, but he's been very good. And I can't imagine the New York Rangers without Jacob Truba. It would look pretty terrible. Uh, but this this all comes down to Chris Kreider because if the New York Rangers don't win the lottery, I think we're looking at the importance of Chris Kreider entirely differently Um, and I if you want to be upset about cap management it essentially comes down to deciding that you needed Barclay Goodrow instead of Pavel Buchnevich. that's really that's it at the end of the day right that that's that's your cap management you decided you needed the hard to play against defensively responsible bottom six winger as opposed to the offensively talented game driving top six winger because the top six winger was going to cost you roughly $2 million more a year. But I, of the contracts, the New York Rangers have handed out. I don't know which one I'm taking back because again, I can't even take back the Crider deal because at the time of the Crider contract, you had no idea that you had no idea what the coronavirus was, was going to do to this right, league. You had no idea. And you had no idea that you were going to have some wonky odds to win the lottery and do it. So I, I, just, I. That's another thing where it's just it's a thousand percent revisionist history. There's nothing I can do to turn the, the the past about Chris Kreider. Yes, in hindsight, I wouldn't have given him the contract, but I also wouldn't have believed you at the time the
0: Rangers gave him the contract that they were going to win the Alexi Lafreniere lottery. It wasn't a realistic possibility. It wasn't. The only reason it happens is because of the pandemic. So. And now everyone's calling him a bust and everyone's pissed he's on your team even though he was the uh, literally a lottery literally the lottery. Okay. I just there's Whatever. no pleasing people, I can't do right. it. People uh, people want to
1: be angry. He'll That's be fine.
0: I I still have a lot of faith that he can turn it around. He's got the talent. And I'm not really worried just yet.
1: Yeah, no no shit.
0: You could be he's you could be alarmed, but you don't need to be like fuck. I don't think you can, I honestly don't think you can be alarmed. You could be concerned. Concerned is you the alarm. You could be concerned. Yeah. All right, this is from Tom Ertz. Been a frequent we have the next two questions are from frequent guests of this podcast. This is crazy. Wow. wow. Well, uh, what's the big move New York Rangers make to free up salary when they need to? Does it become more like a prospect trade and to become a sweetener to facilitate a deal? Boy, speaking of Chris Kreider, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I think that it conversation. Sucks,
1: but that's the com- that's the conversation I, you have to have. Yeah,
0: because he's got a no move contract until and it, it becomes a limited no movement contract in 2024, but they're not going to wait that long. And I, I do believe they'll have a conversation with him this summer or the following summer if they maybe run it back with this kind of tight, this sort of a squad next year. But I, I, it's not going to be true, but that's moved. It's definitely not Mika or Fox or Panarin. That only really leaves Kreider left as the as the salary move. I, I don't know what's going to happen with Ryan Stroman. We'll get into that in a couple minutes or I'm sure for the next month, many, many, many months here. But uh, I don't think they have to like change it. I don't think they have to give a prospect away for Kreider to get moved. I think a team would take Kreider pretty easily, especially how he's performing right now. But they would have to convince him uh, to waive his no movement contract, and I don't know if that'll be the case for him. But that'll be that'll be the way they move it. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, I just there's we we talked with Sinbin today, and essentially the answer for everything Vegas wants to do when it comes to their cap situation is Riley Smith, and whether you want it to be someone else or not, it doesn't change the fact that the answer will be the answer. Um, and that's, it, it sucks. It, Chris Kreider is not the guy that should be this kind of conversation surrounding him this year, next year, any year, but there isn't anybody else. You're not trading Panarin. You're not trading Fox. You're not trading Mika. You just signed him. You're not trading Kako. You're not trading Lafreniere. You're not trading Igor. And I don't, I, if, if you ask me which player is more important to the New York range of long-term success, Jacob is more important than Chris Kreider. He just is. He's a more integral part of what this team does on a game in, game out basis than Chris Kreider currently is. And it's it's not a knock on Kreider. Sometimes you're just not the guy. And right now, Jacob Truba, not just right now, but at least for the next three, four, five years, I can't imagine the Rangers top four without Jacob Truba.
0: Oh, me either. I can't at all. Uh if this is from our friend Fitz. Free Fitz free content of the week. If Capacaca becomes late year late career. Rick Nash, sick take sick two-way forward who gives you 50, like 50 points a year. Will Ryan be okay? I did this to myself, and I fully expect that to be Kakos' career. I would take that right now. I'd sign up for it right now. I'd sign the check right now.
1: Yeah, and the podcast will keep going on too because I'll make sure to make fun of you for it every single <laughs> fucking day that we're on this fucking podcast. As
0: you should, as I make a joke later. Um, uh, This is from Chris from Florida. What changes would you make to the forward lines to help generate offense? I, I have one simple suggestion. I would not have... Barclay Goodrow anywhere near the top six. Period. End of story. Uh, Correct. And
1: I've I've been saying it. I'll continue to say it. I need Panarin and Zibanejad to play together until they're both so scorching hot that I feel like I can break them up to make my lineup longer. Um, yeah. I, again, it, it, and it, we live in this crazy upside down world where Filipetto being out. We should talk about Filipetto being out. Oh wow, we haven't
0: even done that yet, huh? Jeez. Yeah, I'm. Thirty five minutes in. I, we we want.
1: To, there continues to be one trend with the New York Rangers and it's it's an alarming trend because it shouldn't be a trend. This team has no center depth and it has shown time and time again that it can't sustain not having bold not having their top 3 centers in this lineup for a long period of time. It struggled without Strom and it clearly struggled against the Flames without Heedle. And then tonight was hit or miss without Heedle, but the, it's just, as much as I love Kevin Rooney, it's just the more you get exposed to the players you're not supposed to be exposing, the worse the results are going to look. And it's it's it really is something that the New York Rangers have known. They have this deficiency down the middle for at least the last three, four years, and they have just done nothing to address it. Nothing to address it. With you.
0: Uh, I don't know if have a question about Matt Rampey, but is he going to play for the Rangers this season or ever? Probably not this season. Not, not this season. I mean, <laughs> ever? I know they just I signed him to an ELC, but um, that's from number one Matt Rempi fan. There you go. Yeah,
1: uh, I mean, the Rangers once upon a time signed Ty Rodding to an ELC. I don't expect him to play
0: anytime soon either. It's from Swinegard, uh, one of our legendary listeners. When is it time to start talking about sending either Kako or Laffy down? Never Swingart. <laughs> it's not. The time has passed for the AHL. Uh, they're not going to a, a Libra Hayek conditioning stint. That's not going to happen. But,
1: but it, it, it's not just that. It's, again, ask yourself the honest question of, if neither of those guys are here, okay.
0: Yes. Who's what the fuck are the Rangers me? doing? Oh, yeah. Who? So
1: it's whether whether you think they should go down, whether you think their play warrants them going down. It, it, it's neither here nor there because the New York Rangers, if only they had another top 10 pick that played wing.
0: Yeah, that could who theoretically may or may not have shaved his head this weekend. Yeah. It's the Rangers have put themselves in a position. Like they've three done this last week with speaking the KHL. No big deal. Yeah.
1: They've done this with their center depth and now they've done it with their wingers where whether you think these guys need to go down for conditioning stints, God. the New York Rangers are not going to call this team up.
0: So Lori this team looks so different if Kraft's office here and is playing what I expected him to be playing as. The right wing is so barren without him. It's ridiculous. It needs to be addressed like immediately. (laughs) Barren, I get it. (laughs) You like that? Good. No, Uh, not really. Okay. Uh, This last question is from Pure Guts. Uh, Do you think there is too much emphasis on Kako and Laugh and other prospects playing a 200-foot game? Is it affecting their offensive performance, thus overall performance? So they just let them play and be creative and bring other parts of their game later more naturally. I have to tell you, I think that's what Gallant's trying to do. I think he's trying to let them do that. Uh, Kako has developed a two hundred foot game. It's there. He he can do that. He actually was one of the better better players tonight against Florida, uh, and even the analytics say he's one of the better players against Florida. A surprise. So I, I don't think it's that. I, I I think they're they were a little bit affected by I don't know the coronavirus, a million different things with David Quinn and uh, the lack of playtime they've gotten. So yes, they've always had the puck on the on their stick, and they just have that has not been the case for them uh, the past two years. So I'm I think they're going to get a little more of a, a leash this year, but. They're still, you know, Panarin and Strom still on that line. Still got to pass to them. Lafreniere probably should be playing with Kreider and Mika. I know you want you you want Artemy with Mika at this point in time, and I get that. I totally understand. But Lafreniere, the stats actually looked pretty good when he was playing with Mika. I wouldn't. I would like to see him back up there, but he just hasn't. I don't know. Quote unquote, earned it yet? So that's it for me. Yeah. Cool. Sure. Uh, I, I just. I know we have talked it, about it, it forever. It, it, yeah all right cool let's uh we have two great interviews for you we have uh tim peel who i introduce as tim pool that's wrong it says his name is oh uh, yeah that
1: nyr our dumbass guy who loves your mentions despite fucking hating you is that gonna love that one.
0: Oh, is uh, tim pool is like a commentator political commentator or whatever it is
1: i don't know Sure. Uh, i don't know i just know that one guy that lives in your mentions oh, that you for some reason haven't mentions.
0: blocked yes yeah, just ridiculous. fucking block him what are you doing it's insane i try not to block people i try to be nice i don't know what is wrong with me Anyway, um, we have uh, Tim Peel, who was an NHL goal, uh, referee forever. It's an incredible interview. It's freaking great. And then we have uh, Ken from Sinbin, which is also, he's a, he was awesome. So we talk about, for the last time, Jack Eichel. So I hope you guys enjoy. Lots to go he's on. He's a man rocket. And he can get it. Trans- he can get it. Transition. Hey, we're back with our first guest. We have Tim Poole. Peel! Peel! Why did I say pool? That was weird. I'm so sorry, Tim. Uh, he's with Daily Faceoff. You were an NFL or NHL referee forever. Tim, how are you doing tonight? NHL, I guess.
2: I, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on tonight.
0: <laughs> I have a great first question for you, uh, which all Ranger fans want to know. The first penalty you ever called was against Mark Messier. Why do you hate the Rangers?
2: No, actually, I don't. Uh, and he wasn't with the Rangers then. Uh, he was with Vancouver. Damn. It was... Uh, what year did he go... Well, let me think here. What year did he go to Vancouver? 2004. Uh, did he go to Vancouver? Yeah. So uh, so the first penalty I called... No, the first penalty I called in the NHL wasn't against Mark Messier. Someone said that the other day. It was the first penalty. I think what they meant to say was the first penalty against Mark Messier. What was that like? And I said it was very intimidating. Um, because oh. Mess. Yeah, Mess had this presence about him that... He just, you know, as we all know, he's just a tremendous player and a leader. And he would look at you and give you that look. And and uh but no, the first penalty I ever called wasn't wasn't against him, but I, I did call a few against him. But he really, you know, he he didn't he didn't really bother the refs. He just played his own game. He was too focused on leading and and playing hard and winning. So. But I did love working in New York. It was one of my favorite buildings. It was probably my favorite building to work in. And before my incident went down, you're allowed to pick the last three or four cities of uh, that you want to work in, favorite buildings. And, and I had four and they were going to be, my fourth game was going to be in Montreal. But because of COVID, that wasn't going to happen. And then my third game was going to be in Philadelphia. I loved working there. And then... Obviously, my last game was going to be here in my uh, adopted hometown of St. Louis. But my my second game, my last game was going to be in New York. I loved working there. So it was just a phenomenal building to work and be a part of.
1: Uh, Tim, I'm I'm going to want to come back to you actually loving working in Philadelphia because that's just a ridiculous statement to hear an official say. But before before I ask anything about that, I understand the question I'm about to ask that the answer is no. But was there ever a guy during your long career officiating where you were, I don't want to say afraid, but at least a little worried that maybe this player would throw a punch if you called something incorrectly against him?
2: No, I, I can't ever say that I felt, you know, uh, that, that somebody might hit me if, if I did call something against him that they didn't like. You know, there were obviously many opportunities or many, many times where, you know, I remember I waved off a goal in Montreal one night and Carolina was playing there. And the current, it was against, the call went against Carolina in Montreal's favor and, and Rod Brindamore, was you know, doing obviously a fantastic job in Carolina and, and was a great player and he, he snapped and I, I thought for a second he could break his, Stick over my head at any moment, here, but <laughs> just because just because right. of the seriousness of the game, and and he disagree with me so much, and and uh, but no, you know what the players, they they you know, especially back years ago, you know, I. It's not that the kids, the young players now, it's not that they don't respect the refs. Yeah. I truly believe that most of them don't even care about having a relationship with with the refs. Because they're so focused on their own game. Even when I refed Connor McDavid, I, I would have to strike up a conversation with him. He, he wouldn't come over and really ask questions about certain calls and so on. Because he's just focused on his game. And it was, it was different years ago when we would build relationships with players. But right now, that's kind of going by the wayside. And I think it's just a, a, a result of our society and how things have just changed that way.
0: Would you say there was a particular ranger that was sort of hard to referee? And was it Sean Avery?
2: See, it's funny. I liked Sean. A lot of people didn't. I refereed him in the OHL when he played for Owens. I think it was Owen Sound that he played for. And I, so I had Sean, you know, from when he was a junior hockey player up through the NHL. And, and he came over to me one night at, at Madison Square Garden, and he kind of was looking – I guess for my approval and he's like, Hey, Pilsy, how am I playing tonight? I go, Aves, you're playing fantastic. Like you're doing awesome. And he's like, you know, we should go out after and have a few beers. And, and I thought about it and I'm like, you know what, my luck, I'll get on page six with Cindy Adams sitting there having drinks with, with Sean Avery and probably not a good look considering I've been in trouble with the league before. So, but I liked Sean and he, you know, he's the type of guy a lot of teams wanted him to be on their team and they and players hated playing against him
1: so tim to circle back a little bit about philadelphia being one of your places uh to referee when you're on the ice and we're sitting we're sitting at home we're sitting in the arena it's impossible to hear if if the home crowd turns against the officials you hear the ref you suck chance you hear all that when you're on the ice are you able to like employ the mechanism essentially and drown it all out or is it playing as the playlist to the game that you're refereeing
2: that's a great question no I actually I relished it I loved it I thought it was fantastic it it created emotion in the game you know Philadelphia the reason I liked you know New York Philadelphia Montreal is because they they were knowledgeable hockey fans they knew what was going on and and if I messed up a call in Philadelphia or New York the fans would get on it get on you on us but, you know, for example, when I worked in Atlanta, they would just yell for the sake of yelling because they didn't really know what was going on. So I loved working in cities where, you know, obviously the Canadian cities are, are knowledgeable, but the American cities where they really knew the game and they really, um, they, you know, it was, it was passion for them, passionate. And, and so Philly, you know, there was a guy, he's still there. They call him the sign guy, and, and he's got... 20 30 signs he sit behind sits behind the uh the goaltender the visiting goaltender and you know he holds up a sign or insert puck here etc etc i'd come out in the ice and he'd go you know peel you sock and so on and so one <laughs> night you know one night i you know i was known to go out and have a few drinks after the game and he showed up at chickie and pete's and he introduced himself and we just hit it off and you know drank until we closed the place and and the next that was about 12 years ago and then every time I'd come back to Philly welcome back good to see you. He'd hold up the sign I'd give him a little fist pump as we were doing the first second lap around the rink and I just loved working there because they they just they loved their flyers like you guys loved the Rangers and and I, I love cities like that it just made it, it it's what makes our sport to me the best sport in the world.
0: Well, I'm going to go a little bit opposite here. So obviously you had a great experience there. Was there ever a game you called where you felt like you had to sneak out of, of an arena, like through secret oh, tunnels? I'm sure there
2: was, I'm sure <laughs> there was a few of those, you know, I, I know that I, uh, I missed a goal on the King in in Madison square garden and it resulted in the game winning goal. And it's been back before we had goalie interference and I forget what, what year it was. And, You know, a lot of people think we would just leave the game and go back to the hotel and have beers with our, you know, fellow officials. And, and, but it bugged me for, you know, two, three days. I had that pit in my stomach because I knew, you know, I might've and probably did cost a a certain team the game. And then, so when they brought in video review, a lot of people, you know, agree with it. A lot of people don't, but it was, it's a good thing because now when our officials go on the headset, and they come back and they go, we've got no goal because of X, X, Y, and Z. The first thing the announcers say is, you know what? That's great. They got the call right. But if we didn't have video review, that's all they would be talking about the rest of the game. But I had great memories in New York. I worked, I think, well, I know it was the last game seven between the Rangers and the Flyers. It was 2000. It was April 30th, 2014. And Chris Rooney and I were refereeing the game. I think the Rangers won, one nothing. We called one penalty in the entire game. It was to Zach Ronaldo from the Flyers. He interfered with somebody in the first period. And it was, you know, an hour and a half. I'll never forget this because I grew up in a small town in Canada. I grew up in a trailer park and, you know, I came from nothing. And and I'm sitting there in Madison Square Garden in the dressing room an hour and a half before the game. And the building is rocking going, let's go Rangers. Let's go, you know, and we, we come out of that tunnel and it's dark and they're the fans are already going crazy, and and I'm like, man, I'm a, I'm humbled and and honored. Like I'm a kid that grew up in a trailer park, and now I'm refereeing in one of the biggest venues in the world, and, and Flyers Rangers Game Seven. It just doesn't get any better than that. So it was a lot of fun. That was one of my most favorite games ever in the National Hockey League.
1: Tim I I want to put a pin in video review because I have a video review related question for you later but sure. we're talking playoffs and we're talking we about experience yeah. in the playoffs <laughs> so we are we are required by podcasting law to ask you the question of did you plan did is do referees plan differently for playoff games is it, how different is the mindset because obviously us fans sitting at home we, we yell, we bitch, we moan all the time saying, you know, the uh, game 68 is not the same as game five in the second round. So as a referee, put us in your shoes. What is the mindset different? Is this just happenstance? Is this just coincidence? What, how do you plan for a playoff game compared to the Ranger game tonight against the Panthers?
2: Okay. No, that's a very good question. It's a very valid question. And and what happens is in the regular season, players are lazy some you know some games they've played three games in three nights they're tired they stop skating they put their they reach their stick out they take undisciplined penalties because i can guarantee you if i'm barry trotz and i'm preparing for tampa in the finals or the uh eastern eastern conference finals i can guarantee you barry trotz is telling his team you cannot take penalties against Tampa. Their power play is too lethal. You know, it's running at 20, 30%. We cannot take penalties. So I, I know people want to say, no, we, you know, we don't call as much, but the players are the ones that deserve the credit. They're more disciplined in the playoffs. They don't take lazy penalties. And I will say this. You also have, we have 34 referees. 20, the top 20 go to the playoffs. And it's not a, a knock on the other 14 guys, but they didn't get the playoffs for a certain reason. They're they're not considered by the league to be the top officials in the league. It's just as simple as that. And it's the same thing with with a hockey team. You got your first line, your second line, your third line, and fourth line. It's the same thing with refereeing. We can't have all we can't have 34 Wes McCauley's or Kelly Sutherlands. It's just not realistic. Not everybody can be at the, at the top of their game like those two guys that I just talked about and so and then the other thing is in the playoffs you do not want to call a one-minute pe- penalty you don't want to call a one-minute penalty in the regular season but you don't want to call a one-minute penalty in the playoffs that results in a power play goal and you watch the replay after and you go geez that really wasn't much so the, in the come playoffs A you've got the players are more disciplined b you've got the top refs working and c uh you know they make sure that they go out there and call good nhl quality penalties which they should through through 82 games but you're also talking 1200 games throughout a season and there's going to be mistakes made over 1200 games we're talking about a smaller number of games when we get down to the playoffs
1: but tim was there ever a moment where I, i i totally get and understand the I don't want my whistle to be the thing that determines the outcome of this game, especially in the playoffs. But did you ever have a moment where after the game you were more reflective and and thought to yourself, maybe I put it in my pocket a little too much. Maybe I should have been a little more assertive in that game. Maybe had I called this game a little bit more aggressively, the, the game itself would have followed a more natural hockey timeline.
2: No, I never felt, I never felt like that. The only only time that I ever reflected after a playoff game was if I knew that I had made a weak call and it probably uh, had a deciding factor in the game because if, if I wasn't noticed out there, the players didn't notice me, they weren't complaining. I called the standard that, that I was instructed to call. Then I didn't, I never thought after the game, geez, I should have called more penalties because maybe a certain team would have won because of power plays. I would never. I just that's not how I would think. I was more reflective of, you know, if it was a a bad call or two calls that I made that determined the outcome, had a direct uh, outcome on the game. then that's when I would be upset and it would really bother me then.
0: We did put a pin in the replay conversation, but do you think there should be more replay available to NHL refs or even teams for video review or or is that just really up to the discretion?
2: I think we're good now. You know, we had we had the play in St. Louis a few years ago where Timo Meyer gloved the pass in the um, in the second round he gloved the pass to a fellow shark. They put the puck in the net in overtime and it wasn't reviewable and you had the players uh, able to see it on the iPad. You had all the fans in the building looking at the replay. You had everybody from the United States to China that saw it on TV, but the only four guys that weren't able to look at it were the four guys on the ice. And quickly they changed that at the beginning of next season. In St. Louis, that is actually, ironically, the year they – they came back and won that series and then went on to win the Stanley Cup. So, you know, we have we have video review for headshots. People think it's really easy to call headshots and it's one of the most difficult penalties because it's easy when we watch it on replay. It's every call is easy when we watch it on replay. But at full speed, when somebody's checking somebody, did he get him in the shoulder first? Did he get him in the head? It's it's really difficult. You've got to get, have a great sight line on it. You can't guess. And we're now we're in a position that uh, we can review that. And if we overreact, which we shouldn't, but if there's going to be times that we do, that we can take that penalty off the board. And it's the same thing with the double minor. I used to hate it. I it, it didn't happen to me much, but I call it happened a couple times where you know the ranger guy would would. I thought high stick, the flyer guy, but it turned out it was the own guy, the own, his own teammate stick from the flyers. And we weren't able to review it. And all of a sudden now the Rangers are short for four minutes right. and it's the worst, it's the longest four minutes of your life. Because the whole time you're thinking, please kill it off, please kill it off. Because, you know, at the time, Alain Vigneault or or Quinn are saying it was his own stick. It was his own stick. And as soon as they say that, you're like, Jeez, you just—you're so mad at yourself because NHL officials like I took a lot of pride in how I worked out there. Did I make mistakes? Yeah, but I—I was fortunate enough through player polls and so on. They would always rank me very high, and it was because I took pride in how I worked and that I wanted to, you know, make the product better. But I wanted to make the the game fair and safe. And I'll tell you a quick story and not to keep you too long tonight, but when my incident went down and I flew home, it's easy for your friends to reach out to you and call you and so on. But David Clarkson, who played in the NHL, he played for four teams. He hated referees, hated them. Him and I battled his entire career. And so I'm driving home the next morning from the airport and my phone rings and it's David Clarkson. And as soon as he said his name, I, I, for a split second, I go, Holy shit! He's gonna—he's gonna say that he—you know—good, it looks good on you. You know, never liked you, etc. And he goes, "I just want to let you know, I just got off the ice here in Denver. I'm retired here, and I was playing with some ex-players, and we just were talking about your incident and what happened, and we think it's a, a travesty what what went down." And he said, "I just want you to know, I know I was difficult to uh, officiate, but he says when when we were in the dressing room and we knew who the ref was." You know, I knew I had one of the best refs in the league, but I knew I had one of the fairest refs in the league. And he said, I just wanted you to know that. So it was those type of phone calls that made, made me feel better because that's all I ever wanted to do. I, I wasn't Andy Van hellman I wasn't Kerry Frazier or Bill McCreary. But I wanted to be a hardworking guy. I worked the playoffs almost every year in the league and looked that I was in the league. Somebody that the league could rely on and say, we know what we're going to get. He works hard. He calls a fair game. And at the end of the day, that's all you want to be known for.
1: That that's fantastic, and I I just wanted to say that's fantastic because the next question I ask is going to be uh, one that most people who watches hockey have a hard time with. And it, we're, while we're talking video review, I got to ask you, Tim, goalie interference. What the fuck is it?
2: <laughs> How do we determine it? I think it's pretty simple. If the guys, if the if the attacking player is take, has taken position in the crease uh, and the goalie is unable to properly play his position, I'm kind of reciting the rule book, but I know the rule pretty good, the, is that if the goalie is pro, is unable to properly play his position, he doesn't have... The, the, the forward does, or whether it's a defenseman or a forward, but a player from the other team, does not have to necessarily be making contact with the goalie. But if that attacking player has both skates in the, inside the blue, his, you know, the goalie has to back up towards his blue line in order to avoid contact with that player, then the, the, then the referee or, or, the, or hockey ops in the war room have every right to call off that goal. The rule is if a player is in the blue and the goalie is, un, is unable to properly play his position, so it's a tough rule. There's a lot of judgment every time you make that call, whether it's the officials on the ice or, or the uh, war room in Toronto. You're gonna have 50% of the people that agree with it and 50% of the people that disagree with it, and that's the thing about our sport, and it, it you know makes it, it makes it fun and interesting. But it's there's a lot of judgment. There's a lot of judgment. Did the did the goalie get the, if he was knocked down? Did he have ample time to get up and properly play his position things like that so I don't know if that answers it but.
1: but do you how about this do you think goalie interference is one of those penalties that should be reviewable because to your point while the rule itself can be written in black and white and it's cut and dry blah, blah blah it is open a little bit to interpretation and if you get video replay involved you're slowing things down your eyes are well, now seeing things that it didn't we- see at live speed
2: but we can review it now. Like if, if Tim Peel waved off a goal in New York tonight against the Rangers and um, Gerard Gallant, who be, be, you guys are fortunate to have him as a coach. He's a, he's a dear friend of mine besides being a great coach. And I texted him and called him the last few months and he's going to do a tremendous job for you guys. I love Gerard. He's just a, he's an awesome human being. His players love playing for him. But But Gerard has the the option after looking at the replay to say, we're going to challenge the play. And then we go to Toronto. I look at it along with the, the hockey ops people in Toronto. And we look at it and say, you know what, Tim Gerard's right. He, the goalie didn't get interfered with Boom. we, we take away. We put the, put the goal back on the board and, and account so they can review it now.
0: I, I, I'm going to go, Oh, you want to continue Greg? And then I'll ask my question.
1: Well, I was, I was just, do you, I guess my question was more along the lines of: Do you think it should be reviewable, or do you think that's one that you oh, or any you official mean. should Just... get the control on the ice?
2: No, I think we should be able to review it, and I'll tell you why. It's, before video review came in, everybody you know was everybody was of the mindset: we love the human element. We love, yeah, there's mistakes made throughout the season, but you know, there's that human element, and, and so on. But the problem is now, and not that it wasn't important ten, fifteen, twenty years ago, but we're a multi billion dollar industry right now, National Hockey League. And whether a team makes the playoffs, like I for example here in St. Louis, if they miss out on the in the playoffs yeah. because they lose a, a game and they miss out on two points, this we're not this isn't corporate America here in the Midwest in St. Louis. You know, we don't have the sponsorship that montreal and new york and some of these other chicago high profile cities have so for for tom stillman and the ownership group here in st louis making the playoffs is a big deal and if they missed the playoffs because we you know the referee on the ice wasn't able to review a goalie interference call that that would be really unfortunate so i think at the end of the day You know, it it is a sport, but it's also a business now, and we're talking about millions and billions of dollars that that you know can be determined by a certain call.
0: Uh, Final question from me, Tim. Uh, It's a it's a two parter. So you've joined Daily Faceoff. Tell us a little bit of what you're doing there. And I saw that you scored a goal with your feet. Do you still have that puck?
2: I didn't score it with my feet. That's the one. That's actually in December uh, of of uh 19 before 18 before the blues they won the cup that year and i always i always because they were having a a shitty november december while they were last in the league in january right and bortuzzo i was working the game here in st louis and luongo was playing here uh, for for florida and bortuzzo shot it in and instead of rimming it around the boards or shooting at the net he kind of shot it straight towards the end boards towards me and so it wasn't going that high, but I obviously I couldn't jump up because it was waist high and couldn't really duck. So it hits me in the left hip and everybody else thought it hit me somewhere else in that area. And and it, I was in the left corner and it mysteriously somehow went all the ways across the goal line and beat Luongo on the short side. So I'm a little shaken up. I hit my head in the boards. I come back out, lose like. Luongo's one of the best guys ever. And he's like, Peelzy, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, Lou, I go, I'm good. But I said, you know what? I said for the rest of my career, I'm going to be able to say, I scored on Roberto Luongo. <laughs> so, after the, so after the game, they brought me in the pocket. I'm looking at it right now. I've got it in my office here at the house. And That's so hilarious. The funny part was the funny part was two or three nights later, I'm working in Chicago and Florida's there and Florida started Rhymer that game. And Lou comes right up to me. We're skating around for warm up, and Lou comes right up. He goes, Pills, He goes, "They won't even start me now when you're roughing our games because they're afraid you're going to score on them." He, we laughed, and yeah, a lot of lot of funny stories. And but I joke with Portuzo you know, because I live here in St. Louis. I'm like this. That, I said that changed your season. I said it changed things around for you. So the funny thing was, so that happens. Happens in my, you know, I'm from Canada, but it happens at my, my adopted hometown in St. Louis. And been here 20 years, and and I get home and I'm having a glass of wine, and my wife's like, "You're unbelievable! Like you, you're one of the <laughs> only refs to ever score. You scored in St. Louis for the home team." So my phone is literally blowing up. Like it's, I can't keep track with it. And, and Gretzky sends me a text. That's and amazing. Goes, you're only. Se- yeah, he goes, you're only 741 goals shy of Holly now, he says, and I <laughs> laughed, and Gretz and I still laugh about that. So,
0: Well, I, I want to give you a chance, because we got to get out of here in a second, but I, what are you doing for Daily Faceoff now, and uh, what's going on at the oh, site over there?
2: Yeah, so da- Daily Faceoff, they brought me on as a rules analyst, I go on That's one awesome. or two days a week, and uh, talk about suspensions, hits, uh, non-calls that have happened throughout the week that that certain players might be getting frustrated with not calling and and uh we do we have a lot of fun at that and then uh Andy Strickland and I and Jamal Mayers, the ex player, we've uh we're on the air here in St. Louis from two to three on Wednesdays on the Fan Five Ninety, and we're having a lot of fun with that. You know, I refereed Jamal his entire career and you probably heard the name Andy Strickland and and we're having a lot of fun in St. Louis doing that as well.
1: I can't thank you. Tim last question for me. Uh, who settle it once and for all? Who who wins, Mono mano You or Gene Sterator and best
2: rules analyst that is currently going in their sport? Gene's pretty good. I, I like Gene a lot. I think he's doing a great job, and uh, so I'm going to give the edge to Gene now. But I've only been—he's been retired for a few years. He's able to been able to to. to uh, Perfect uh, perfectus craft for the last few years. So give me some time, but it's only been a few months, but I'd love to do something like that as well. I think it'd be a lot of fun. And I think the fans, you know, uh, TNT hired Don Koharski, which was a no brainer. You know, he's, he should be in the hall of fame. He, he worked 11 Stanley cup finals and then uh, ESPN's got Dave Jackson, an ex referee. So hopefully they utilize them in the right way, because I really believe that the fans want to hear from uh, an official and and hear a different perspective on the game because really up until this year, they hadn't been able to do that. And, and, uh, you know, I I had to stay quiet until September 1 because of my contract and so on. And since I've been a little more vocal lately and been on Twitter and commenting about calls and different things, people are, they don't agree with me. Um, But they've really, I think, liked the fact that, hey, there's somebody out there that can give us an opinion that, actually knows a little bit about what he's talking about. And, and uh, so it's fun. I enjoy it. And, and I appreciate you guys having me on here. And anytime you want to have me on again, I'd love to love to come on. I love the Rangers and the city. And and I'm I'm rooting for uh, Gerard Gallant this year. He's I have, a great man. And so, so is Chris Drury.
0: I have many more questions about Gallant in a future time. But I appreciate your time so much, Tim. And yeah, have a wonderful anytime, night. boys.
2: Thank anytime. you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Hey, we're back with our second guest. We have Ken Bulky of Simbin Vegas. This has been a long time in the making. Somehow the Vegas Golden Knights and the Rangers have like a shitload of overlap. Ken, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for coming on. Uh, We have put up a billboard in Buffalo. We begged and cried for the Rangers to get Jack Eichel all summer. More me, to be honest, than Greg. And yet here you are uh, acquiring Jack Eichel for a package I think was uh, still light. What was that like for you acquiring yet another star player? You're going to hate me. You're
3: gonna I hate me You're right going like to I, I, I don't think – I didn't even think they should have done it. I don't think it was a good idea. I think it makes the team further away from winning the wow. Stanley Cup, and I don't think it's a good idea that they made the move.
0: This is great discourse. I'd love to start this way because – I I,
3: I, 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 <laughs> I, 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 black,
0: I,
1: blacked out for a second. I want to make sure you realize we're talking about Eichel and not Brett Howden. No.
3: No, that deal I was actually somehow okay with because you guys ended up getting the worst player off our roster somehow and all of that. So that was fine with me. It's No, this one. And it's not really about Eichel. It's not even about the package. It's just there's a salary cap. Like, I'm not 100 percent sure the Golden Knights are aware of that. They've basically been ignoring it for years. There actually is a salary cap. And if they want to use all the players that they have currently uh they can't so because of this this crazy rule that's called the salary cap I don't know uh, we'll see ten, I, just, I, ten, I think count, it's bad. Counter, counterpoint counterpoint to your point cuz that it's a fair point what you're bringing up but uh Tampa Bay question mark <laughs> uh Tampa Bay yes I hear you however Tampa Bay did this with a player that's been there forever and they were winning without said player and they had just won the previous Stanley Cup with Steven Stamkos playing like five minutes and scoring a goal. Literally like five minutes. five minutes. Yes. Yeah. But like, I don't, I mean, I don't think it's the same. Like, if, it's J- if Jack Eichel's going to be out the entire season and then suddenly step in with a brand new team in a brand new system and, and a play brand new his neck. very first game, like, and with a brand new neck, right? Like, is that, that's, you're getting peak Jack Eichel to win this Stanley Cup? Like, I, I just don't think it's realistic. Maybe next year, but then the salary cap exists.
0: See the Rangers also realized the salary cap exists, and in, and in turn they just traded Pavel Buchnevich, kept eight point five million dollars open, signed Barclay Goodrow for six years, and then we're like we're not doing anything else. So very cool. Where, we where had are a great currently. Where are they at currently? Uh, I believe they're. I think we're. What are we? Seven million dollars. Eight million dollars under the cap. Something like oh that. so that's fantastic. Oh, we don't that's do anything amazing. with it because next but year playing on. Next see, year we have, have to pay yet. Kako and we have to pay uh a Kako, well, zero point Kako, by the way. But
3: see, that's this is where the debt this is what we've been screaming at the Golden Knights to do, and this is why I, I still want to throw my shoe at at uh, Genny Dodonov. It cap space gets bigger and bigger and bigger as the season goes on. So once you get to the deadline, you're gonna have like $15 million worth of cap space, and then you can buy off players. You'll be able to buy. Two, three, four players at five or six million dollars worth and do it in a spot where you know they can help you, where if you do it in the offseason, you don't necessarily know what can help you. I actually like that move better. Now, they have to actually spend the money. If you sit there and go to the, you know, in the playoffs, seven million short. okay, then then that's useless.
0: Well, the Rangers were in on Eichel the whole time, despite uh, what many, many other reporters said. Uh, it was finally reported afterwards that the book refused to send him to New York surprise. Not really a, a big no, thing. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, listen, I get it. Uh, go bills, I guess. And in this situation where <laughs> in this situation, well, I mean the Jags, come on, that's embarrassing. But in this situation, uh, so you have, you have, you're kind of like Toronto light now. What is the expectations right. for, for Vegas moving forward, a team that's gone deep in the playoffs uh, many years in a row, started off with a bang, has continued to do it. Fired their coach, who's now our coach. Um, where where are you at in Vegas?
3: Do you want my expectations, or do you want? The I know, you. Knights I want your opinions. That's why Me? you're here. I, I think I think they're about to win, or, or they're about to lose in in a different way. Uh, in the past couple of seasons, and really, I mean, the, the first season was, you know, wacky, get to the cup final. The second season, they get cheated because, sorry, Tim Peel, who was on before me. He was. Uh, re- refs, refs suck. They're all terrible. All of them have no idea what they're doing, and none of them actually know the rules. They're all terrible. Every good. ref is horrible in every single sport. Sorry, Tim Peel. Tim Peel actually seems like a cool dude. He's fantastic. <laughs> Nonetheless, referees all suck. Sorry. So that's what happened in the second year. Then the last two years, they actually lost based on inability to score. They ran into teams that decided "Yeah, these guys can't shoot it into the water, you know, from a boat. So let's just let them shoot it off the off the walls all day. And that's what happened. Well, now they're going to do it a different way. Now they're going to lose because they don't have any depth. Now they're going to have a situation where they're going to have some guys th- towards the top of the you know roster be able to score. And then they'll inevitably go what we call cold, but really it just means the other teams focused on stopping those guys and forcing the other guys to beat them. And you'll end up seeing them, you know, get smoked by third and fourth lines and probably even second lines at different times uh, by turning the puck over in their own zone and having some of the issues that they've had currently. I, I think to me, building the team like Toronto, building the team like Edmonton should in theory, set you up to fail like Toronto and Edmonton.
1: So, Ken, it, it, there's there's no need to continue to go over the Eichel package. So let's talk about the next step of the Eichel package, which that's anyone the who theory, watches yeah. hockey, anyone who follows, you don't even need to follow the Vegas Golden Knights to know that. It seems like the inevitable shoe that's going to drop is Riley Smith. Yeah. What do, do you expect that to be the case? Am I missing something that's a little bit more obvious? And more importantly, are you going to be okay if Riley Smith is moved out?
3: to make room for the injured three musketeers. So th- you're right that that is the inevitable piece. Th- there's only one way that something becomes more inevitable than that. And that's if they can potentially get rid of Evgeny Dadanov, who they got for no reason. And I'm still trying to figure out why, and they paid a price for him and I don't know why. And he has term and he's way overpaid and he stunk in Ottawa. And now he stinks here if they can find someone to take him off their hands, he would actually be a better option. But I don't think that's going to happen seeing as they were unable to give away the reigning Vezina winner for absolutely nothing. Well, they got Mikel hecker That still seems weird. Just going to say. Superstar. No, it's not weird. Like what's weird about it is that the golden Knights do not understand the salary cap exists. Like if the salary cap didn't exist, they would have gotten a first round pick for Marc-Andre Fleury, but it does exist. So therefore Everyone knows you're in this cap crunch. You have to give this player away, and there you have no option. The same thing's going to happen here. I think Riley Smith's going to go for. They'll be lucky to get a sixth or seventh round pick for an expiring contract player who's
0: very linked to him. Yeah, and they
3: should be. And they should be. And and, then Gallant loves him and you will love him too. He's an awesome player. He's very consistent. He does everything you can possibly ask for. And he's one of the few guys that when you come playoff time, will do the same thing he does in the regular season. He doesn't disappear. The other one's McNabb, another expiring contract. Eventually he would probably go, but he doesn't make all that much money between the two of them. That's still not enough for Jack Eichel. Like they still have to do more. So It's going to be tough. I think they're going to try to play the injury game, not with Eichel, but with everyone else. They'll just try and find $9 million worth of injured players between March and and the end of April. Uh, That's what I think they're going to try and do. But if they have a situation where maybe nobody plays hockey for a month in the the month of February and everyone's healthy, then they're going to have to go down the path of trading off players for absolutely nothing. And some other teams are going to get better steals than the Golden Knights got on Eichel.
0: So you uh, you covered Gallant for a long time. Before we recorded, you talked about how you kind of had a mini relationship with him. We went, yeah. we went everywhere. We went everywhere, Ken, to try and find people to talk shit about Gallant before he became to the Rangers. Everyone seems to like the guy, like a serious Best. amount. The players seem to love him. We haven't fallen in love yet, but I'm assuming we're going to because so far it's been a little bit of a lukewarm reception from Ranger fans. Everyone loves the guy. Explain to me what it was like covering him. Give me some rundown here.
3: Oh, he's the best. I mean, he's he's one of the most genuine people you can ever meet. Uh, I'll I'll give you a good example of kind of who Gerard Gallant is. So, for a while there, before the Golden Knights hired their coach, they were kind of linked to a number of different people. Elaine Vigneault was one. There was a lot of noise about potentially John Cooper getting fired because they were about to miss the playoffs, and then you know they did, and that was kind of a mess. They ended up not firing John Cooper. And basically, the moment they decided they were not firing John Cooper, they hired Gerard Gallant, and they had hired him after interviewing him in December. This happened in about mid-April. So all this time, we had kind of been talking about, well, this is a little weird. Why interview this guy and and then hire him later? Like, he's clearly not your first choice. Did they pick their second choice? Is this the guy they want? And we're writing all this and talking about all this and whatever. So I get to the press conference where they – they uh, introduced Gallant, and I go up to the press conference afterwards, and I go and shake his hand. I'm like, "Hey, I'm Ken from Sinbin," and he says to me, "And I, sh- i swear to you, this is a direct co- quote from him." He goes, "Hey, you're the fuckers who think I didn't get the or wasn't going to get the job." What? <laughs> and I go, "Yeah, that is me. Nice to meet you." And wow. He goes, I, he goes, "Well, I don't read any of it. My wife doesn't." And I go, "Sure, you liar!" And he looks at me and just starts laughing and shakes my hand, and we were talking about other stuff. Like he, he's as genuine as can possibly be, and throughout the course of the time covering him, like he would pull me aside from time to time and yap at me about things I would write or things I would say, but give his side of it. uh, You know, he was, he understood how to play the game with the media in regards to like how to deal with questions that he didn't like, how to make sure he was kind of molding the questions he did want. He's very good at that. And I think you can tell based on the way that the players react to him that He's very, very honest in regards to like he will tell you you're not playing well enough or you need to do more of this or whatever. And the players respect that. And in both cases, and I'm still trying to figure out why this happened, but both Florida and uh, Vegas, he ends up going out unceremoniously. Uh, so I don't know what's
1: going to happen. That's in New York, why we but, tried oh, yeah, to
0: find yeah. people to say bad things about yeah. him, Ken. It was like well, we, we couldn't understand.
1: Well, well, I I don't have anything bad to say about. Gerard Gallant yet. I mean, it's only been what? This is game twelve. I'm sure I'll find some. I found worse things to say about nicer people, but I got. I I do have to. I I I have to scratch a a scab a little bit with one thing you said there, Ken. Where you called Gerard Gallant brutally honest, and I'm sure he's brutally honest to the players. But help me square the yeah. Help me square the circle about how Gerard Gallant has essentially said two things since he's been Rangers head coach. One, I'm going to have a captain, and two. Uh, young talented players don't play on my fourth line. So explain to me why the Rangers don't have a captain, and explain to me why Alex Lafreniere played on the fourth line. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, because what what he you can't you can't like that portion of it to what he says to the media and the fans and all that. He just says whatever fits in that particular moment, and then if that changes, he just doesn't care that he had lied about it previously, and he'll just flat out say like, "I don't really care what I said before. This is what it is today." And again, like I think. Yeah. There's a part of that where you're like, okay, well, I don't like that lying part of that. We have worse, you know, lying that goes on in this organization that he was actually the most honest of those. And he did that stuff all the time here. But yeah, I I think, I think I understand where you're coming from there and and you're going to see some problems. There there are some issues with how, you know, how he goes about rolling out lines, how he goes about falling in love with certain players and, and there are adjustment issues or over adjustment issues at different times. But as a whole, I think the key to me is like all systems in the NHL are fairly similar. I don't think anybody's running anything crazy. There's no Bill Belichick's in this league. So because of that, you really need a guy and a, and a, and a coach that that the players really want to play for. And this guy has always been that. And I think will always be that he's he's a player's coach and and he will probably forever be a player's coach.
1: Now, I, I will. I will also say, Ken, I, I, I don't mean for it to sound like i'm angry that gerard Gallant is lying to me i think it's fucking hilarious because <laughs> i'd much rather have a guy just lie to my face as opposed to just telling me about how he needs to get pucks deep and needs to stop playing east west hockey
3: oh he'll blah, do that blah, too. Blah.
1: yeah but the, the the straight up ability to lie to not just any media but the new york media that's fucking hilarious
0: yeah, he that doesn't deserves give, yeah. like an emmy of some kind yeah he
3: doesn't give a shit it's great he and
0: definitely again, like, pretends to hear questions and then uh, purposely misinterprets them. <laughs> like,
3: oh, for sure. Yeah, he, he. A lot of times he'll ask the question again so that he can come up with time to how to, how can I misinterpret this.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, now we know that now we now we have that down. Um, when are we going to not like Ryan Reeves? Because we've enjoyed the experience so far.
3: When have, when are you going to need to win a game?
0: Interesting. <laughs> You're. So the, the the fans like have really turned on him, I guess. Like is what you were saying when you were covering him, Brett Howden's our version. Oh no, him.
3: I no no no. The fans loved him the whole time. You but did. But, but, but like no, because he's terrible at hockey. Got but it. that but like we knew that though. the reason fans love him is because he does things that fans love. I personally don't understand why fans love these things. Like I like hockey because it's crazy fast and they have unbelievable skill and they do crazy shit with their hands and you know it's amazing. I don't need to see two guys on skates punching each other with helmets on. Like, if I want that, the UFC actually is the home in the same building as the Golden Knights play in. Like, I can see really cool fights. And I used to cover the UFC. Like, the fighting in hockey is complete dog shit. So, to me, like, he does no good. And then there's this belief that, like, no one will take a run at your players if you have, well, okay, well, the Golden Knights are 12 games in, and no one's taking a run at anyone. Yet last year, that was nonstop. When they had him, I think he actually stirs up more controversy and more shit than than without him. And then again, he's just he's not good at literally any piece of hockey forechecking, checking, back checking, hockey IQ, shooting, defending, stick handling, skating, whatever you want. He's not good at it.
1: I, I hear all that. But my counterpoint is he makes me laugh. <laughs> I give you that. Yeah. Like that, in, like any good relationship, sometimes it's just about how you feel. And he makes me feel good. I like winning. Com-
3: uh,
0: we do too, but we're not going to do that.
3: It's That's just <laughs> my favorite thing. Like my favorite thing in all sports is when my team has more points slash goals slash runs than the other team. You've, you've enjoyed being a Vegas counter- fan then. Yeah, it's been good. It's been good until they get to the point where they can't score, which is fun. But, you know, or they get fucked by the ref. Uh, now this guy he does the opposite. He, he was better in first year. He scored a game-winning goal in the you know conference final.
1: I mean, well, let's 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 have a couple things clear here. It's not exactly like you guys upgraded from what you got from the New York Rangers. And I, I you like you like winning, so I want I need to teach you how to win, yes. Brett Howden discussions because we yeah, we is, perfected let's, it. Let us help you podcast. out, Greg. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, there's there's a there's a cold stone cold rule. You're, it sounds like you're already done, tired, talking about Brett Howden. He takes up too much of your waking conscious. You don't want to do it anymore. So here's the rule. You want to say something bad about Brett Howden? Don't. Repeat this phrase. He's a man rocket. He can get it. But first That's you have it. to say,
0: legally speaking. i legally, I'm legally speaking. obligated to tell you this. He's legally a man rocket. To say. And he can get it. That's now it.
1: Brett Howden is a man rocket. And he can get it. <laughs> that is one good-looking dude. He's going to fucking clean up on the strip, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. But he's bad at hockey. That's it. So instead of trying to talk about his hockey, talk about the thing he's good at.
3: Looking He's good. a man rocket and he can get it. He looks
0: great he's a in a nineties boy band. It. He looks awesome there. He really does. Yeah,
3: yeah. he's taller yeah. Like, than I thought he was too. See, when's that's when's the last nice
0: time, time when's the last time
1: you sat down and really thought to yourself what happened to Drew Lachey, Nick's brother from ninety eight degrees? You don't. He <laughs> plays hockey for the Vegas Golden Knights. He's a man rocket, he can get it. See it. You see what I'm saying?
3: I I, I hear you. I mean, this is not a bad idea. I think I think I need to. But but I, but I don't think we hate him as much as they hated You guys hated him in New York yet.
0: Uh, we hate him well, because yet, he just. Yet, 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 yet's doing a lot of work there for you, buddy. Just it is. It is. You'll get it there. Is. First line. I mean, he scored a sick goal the other night, which he never did for us. So congratulations. So Wait, <laughs> he scored? Yeah, he scored, I believe.
1: Didn't he? Didn't he tap the He did. He did. He did. I, it wasn't a fever dream. I saw it. Yeah, he had the
0: he had to tap it. I saw the gif. And oh I threw yeah, it. on the
3: back door. That's right. Yeah. And he almost completely flubbed it. And I thought it might have gone yeah. off in off his knee. I was like, That's man, right.
0: I wish Kako could do that. Oh no, no, no. no. <laughs> that that
3: that doesn't count. That was against Ottawa. Oh, sorry. Sorry, my yeah, apologies. No, no, no. Those, I only count goals against teams.
1: Well, to be, to be fair, Ken, I'm still not sure he ever scored a goal with a goalie in net as a New York Ranger. Yeah. No, the
3: goalie was way out to the side.
1: <laughs> but at least in your instance, the goalie was at least on the ice. Yeah. In our instance, yeah, I'm he, was there. he wasn't
3: on the ice. Um. Yeah, he was on the ice. He was on the ice. He was not where he was supposed to be at that moment. And that was a very good pass by Shea. I remember the play now. He has four shots in 10 games. He is yeah. a man rocket, and he can get oh, it. Oh,
0: man,
1: yeah, Ken but, is getting I, it. I, he's going to end the season with more numbers than shots, if you know what I'm saying. Hey, there you go. Because he's a man rocket, and he can
0: get it. Allegedly.
1: Yeah. All right, yeah. so
0: now that we've gone through that, uh, Riley Smith, when do you expect him to actually be moved? I think that's actually my final question, too.
3: Um. Well, I don't think it'll happen before February, because I obviously Eichel's not coming off long-term IR until – the back end of the Olympic break. So they're not going to do anything in that regard, unless they're sure that they're going to be fully healthy, which would be awfully difficult to do before February with all the games and what's going on. I would imagine it could potentially happen during that off month. Uh, Cause they, they're going to have some time. And and I think their plan is like, let's not get completely backed into a corner here and the deadline will will lead into being completely backed into a corner. So that would be my best guess would be somewhere between February and like early March. But I don't think they want to get all the way to the deadline, which is what, second week of March?
0: Yep. Something like that.
1: Uh, I'll, I'll, end, I'll end on this note because uh, we've gone – we've been we're talking for about 30 minutes and it, it kind of feels like sacrilege that we haven't brought up the name Mark Stone yet. Have you ever encountered a player who the – The casual hockey fan still doesn't quite understand just how good and how many good things this guy does on a nightly basis. I don't have a comparison for another sport where a player is, I think, hands down probably one of the five most important players in the league, and yet I would say you're just casual. Casual hockey fan would have no idea.
3: Yeah. I'm trying to think. Like, There's probably some like defensive tackles in the NFL that do it. You know, I think everybody falls in love with the three-point shooters and the little but bum it, I, shortstops but and people, whatnot. But... People know Aaron Donald, right? Yeah, and but I'm thinking like... more like Calais Campbell or like uh, Vita Veya. I'm a Buccaneer fan. The impact that that dude makes is massive. Like, yeah, I he's, obviously he's not Aaron Donald. And I don't think right. Mark Stone is quite at that level. Like, I don't think anybody's voting in as the best player in the entire league, nor should you. That one's a pretty obvious. And the Golden Knights did not get him despite – what their Twitter thinks, but like, yeah, he's, I mean, he, he's a spectacular player. His hands are unbelievable. He, you know, the the way he takes pucks away from people, the way he plays the game without even really being able to skate is beyond belief, but he also has disappeared three consecutive playoffs in the back end of the biggest series. So they need that to come along. Like until you do that, you're still gonna have that as part of as part of your legacy. And and you know, we've seen great players have that. Like, name time. one,
0: name one, just curious. Name one.
3: I mean Alex Ovechkin okay, was okay. one that I could think of okay. before that one series that I want to forget. Okay,
0: sir. I just thought there was a more obvious answer. appreciate that.
3: Um <laughs> talk- oh, is there like yeah, I mean, about Rick. I'm sure. I'm talking okay. about Rick
0: Nash, I'm sorry. Anyway, so oh, um- I thought you were talking about <laughs> Brett Howden. <Howley. laughs> <laughs> Hold, Hold on, Ken. Fuck you, Ryan. That's
1: what I have to do <laughs> Piece of shit. Okay,
0: I have to deal. You you talk to this guy for thirty minutes. You're tired of his shit. Try dealing with him for three hundred and twenty straight Mondays. <laughs> Ken, I can't thank you enough so much for coming on and joining us tonight. Um, have a great time. I'd love to stay in touch and find out how things are going with Ike and all that stuff. And maybe if you need any Ranger help, let us know. We got your back.
3: Yeah, let me know. I'm, I'm looking forward to when you truly fall in love with Gerard Gallant. And then when he gets unceremoniously fired for some ridiculous reason in like two years. The Rangers
1: are really good, news. good We got James Dolan, baby. Every reason for There we go. There oh, <laughs> we fine. go.
0: Ken, thanks so much, man. We'll talk to you soon. He is a man rocket and, and he, he can get, can it. get it. Cheers. And as always, our podcast would not be possible without our NHL Insiders Club, where all the secret information gets leaked by me in there. Um, anywho, uh, we have some new new joiners this week and some new names I'll mispronounce, which is going to be awesome. I think next week I'm going to do something, uh, something weird. I think I'm going to try and make this a little more of a weird segment. Uh, I want a reason for people to stick around. I don't know what I'm going to end up doing. I thought about singing these. You don't want to hear that. Uh, I thought about... Uh, making like them personal announcements. There's a lot I kind of want to mess around. So let's talk, let's let's chit chat in the insider chat as we do. I'll I'll leak some stories, some scoop levels, and then we can talk about how I should uh, appreciate you more. That's how this goes. Anyway, Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam. Uh, oh, this is a new one. Kura Tulo? T- Tulo? I'll get an email. Okay. Adam Adam Cheech. Alex Gardner. Amber Cohen's Austin Beetleman. Ben Waters. Ben Weber. Biggies Malone. Brian Doyle. Broadway. Blue shirt. Bleeder. Chris Finelli. CJ Stellwagen. Dennis Dezen. David Naran and David Siegel. Dennis Dice. Eric Stagg. Gary. George Obrinski. Give Gardner a cup. Harrison Hasko. Jake Berthkowitz. Jerry and Marquez. JD. Jimmy Mack. John Hardesty. Chris from Florida. Christoph Berg. Lazer Kroskowski. Lou. Lou, I've never said your last name. Giordano? I think I got it. Lucas K, Matthew Kind, the giveaway for Henrik Lundqvist tickets. Max Nielsen, Pavel Kojarev, Randy Tesser, the legend, Stephen Lomarier, Stig Bulbach, Swine Gart, the Drop BK, Tommy Sinclair, Tommy O'Neill, Tori from Manhattan, Upstate Vin, welcome Upstate Vin, Vinny Brocco, Vinny Hay, and Will Spector. Could not do it without you. I just want to say, now that we're here and we're in private, it's just us and I don't have Greg here. Maybe I'll do this as like my sign-off of the week. Uh, Kako had the best analytics of tonight's game. Uh, Listen, I know he's got zero points, but the stats say they really liked him. Now, now, okay, I know what you're saying. The stats hated him his first year. Now, I'd say that's an improvement. Yeah, he's got zero points. All right, I'm done. I love you guys. I'll be back next week, or I'll be back later this week for BSBOT. We'll talk to you then. Bye.